fullness. Amen. I think this microphone's better than the other one, isn't it, John? Brilliant. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I was, uh, obviously, David's not here, so I've, I've just had a look at this passage, and I think the thing that struck me, we'll come to some of the detail in the moment, uh, but the thing that struck me was this um, song. And I wonder how easy it is to sing. I wonder how easy you find it to sing. Because when you're having a tough time, it's not easy to sing, is it? Um, the blues, pretty much written for Misery Loves Company, and um, very difficult sometimes. And we, and we can sing about how, you know, if I didn't have bad luck, I'd have none at all. But the reality is, it's hard to sing when, there are, when you're in tough times. And this letter, this revelation, is given to a group of people who are small and they're insignificant and nobody likes them. Hands up whoever has been in that situation. Two out of the three? Okay, fine. <laughs> Not just me. All right. <laughs> fine. And, and, and the whole empire, it seems, is, is railed, lined up against them, and, and their own brothers and sisters uh, within the Jewish faith. Remember, the church is emerging from Judaism, uh, and these are people who also... So they're, they're really um, having a tough time in, in a lot of ways. And so this is a very important letter, and we touched on it last week, that if you were in power and you had this, the world would be a different and much unhappier place. But if, you were, uh, if you're a persecuted minority and you have this, that's what it's for. <laughs> it's to remind you that God is in control, and that's really important. So we have, if we have a look, we're just sort of linking some themes from the previous couple of chapters. Uh, and we, last week we looked at the idea that, that, that God is promising that Christ himself orders the harvest of the earth, uh, and that draws in the grain offering of his people, and it brings the blood uh, wrath uh, for those who uh, face, uh, for there will be blood, there will be judgment. And it's horrible and it's horrific and, and it's not an, an easy thing to contemplate. But we look now at this sort of shift in the scene, what's happening as this, as this harvest is brought together, as it's, as it's bringing uh, to fruition, if you like. Let's have a quick look. We have uh, seven angels. There are lots of elements that we've seen in previous chapters. They're starting to be drawn together. They're connecting with these earlier chapters. We've got the seven angels, and we look and we see these angels. Um, they're dressed, if you just look forward to verse 6, if you've got your Bible open, they were dressed in clean, shining linen and wore golden sashes around their chests. They are, uh, they are that, that signifies that they are in tune with the purposes of God. They're not substitutes uh, of Christ, but they are mirroring his glory. That's a lovely thought, isn't it? That heaven is, everything is about mirroring Christ's glory and beauty. And, and, and that's something that's starting to happen. We have um, seven bowls that are given to them uh, towards the end there in verse 7. Uh, seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God, which has been both squished out of the harvest and is also united with the prayers of incense from earlier chapter. So remember when the saints were crying out, how long, O Lord, those prayers are brought together with the wrath, that the people's cry for justice is heard by a God of justice. That the people's cries for we need justice and are, are, are not lost because a God of justice hears them. And that's important too. And we talked about how it was important just to hold on to that, that you are heard 
by God. Our prayers are heard. They might not take shape the way we would want them to, and sometimes, thank goodness, but they do. Then we also see that there is a sea. If we just uh, come back to the beginning of this imagery, that's all sort of, sort of, uh, sort of uh, back to front, if you like. Verse 1 is very much this thing was happening, and then there's a description of it later on, and then you have to sort of look back at it. Um, but we see this sea. Verse 2, John sees what looked like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious. And again, there's great imagery there from the Old Testament. The sea, these people have come through it, they've passed it, they're, they're by it, or even upon it, if you read the Greek carefully. These are, this is another image from the Old Testament of the exodus of God, led by Moses, taking his people out of slavery, out of, 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 of oppression, and into the freedom that he has promised them. So the sea is an important image. Can you see it's all coming together? The prayers of the people are being brought, are, are the people who are being brought home. And, that, and, and if I'm right, John sees us amongst them, which is important. And we have, just to touch base, these four elders represent all of creation. But that's subject to God's God's judgment and justice as well. But all of creation is involved and groaning for this, to, this new creation to happen. And, and one of the things that's important in our culture, particularly perhaps over the last few months, is this deep concern about the climate and the world in which we live. And creation is part of, and we are part of that creation. It, it's not lost, it's not separated. And the church... Uh, that it is victorious. We see that they've crossed this sea. They're, they're by the sea. They've been mixed with fire. They've endured things. And they are uh, beside it and they are singing. They're singing. And they sing this song of Moses and the song of the Lamb. I don't think they're two distinct songs. I think they're songs that actually are about both of them. And we'll come to that in a moment. But the first thing that strikes us is perhaps in verse 1. I saw in heaven another great and marvellous sign. Everything that John has seen so far has been quite marvellous, hasn't it really? Most of it has been the sort of stuff you would struggle to talk about with your friend over a cup of tea. And by, by the way, I was reading Revelation the other day. Did you know that this was really, really difficult? But it is above and beyond anything that John has seen before. There were great signs earlier in Revelation, but this sign is marvelous as well. Some of the great signs were bad, and some were good. The woman clothed with the sun, pretty good. The dragon, not so good. Bad. These great signs about the things that are happening beyond the, the world that we understand, and here he sees this great and marvelous sign, and it is God. He's greater than anything he's encountered, and God is drawing history to its conclusion. And I think, I wonder how you feel about that. That one day, as we read earlier, we'll all be rolled up, and we'll all be wrapped up. And, it won't, and it'll be new, and it'll be different. And things that we're used to now will no longer be with us, they'll, they'll have passed. 
They're not part of the new kingdom. They're not part of God's plan for, they never were part of his plan for what the world should have been like or what we should have been like. But it's important to see that God is leading this, that God is administering this. And he's doing so as a just and true sovereign. Yes, there's wrath. Yes, there's justice. Because we see that they're singing about it. Great and marvellous are your deeds. Just and true are your ways. And a group of people here who, are, who are, understand God and are, and are willing for him to come in because they trust him to be a good and merciful God, righteous towards them. It's quite interesting. When you read in, in the Psalms, sorry, this is my own sort of quiet time. So in the Psalms, how often does David ask for forgiveness or salvation because of God's character, because of God's righteousness, because of his goodness, because of his mercy? Not on what we have done. Not on, what Dave, not on David's account. Not based on his status. Not based on the words or prophetic things over him. But that God himself was just and true. And here's that same sort of theme. The people are relishing and, and reveling in God's goodness towards them. So this is, on one hand, terrifying. And on another, on another level, it's not hopeless. In fact, it's wonderful. Uh, and, and it's a, a terrific thing to be involved in because it's God acting. It's God bringing about the things that the earth and creation have been yearning and groaning for. And it's his qualities that are shaping things. It's his qualities, it's his character that's shaping this new world. Not leaving it to a committee, not leaving it to, uh, to chance, but intentional born out of his perfect imagination of the world that he foresaw, born out of the best that everything could be. That's what he's bringing together. That's what he's doing. And balancing the justice that the world needs and the truth that it yearns for with his mercy and his grace. And I think it's really helpful to have something to say about this to people we know because we are increasingly living in fear of the world ending hopelessly. I'm not going to go, I, I, I agree. Can I underline that? Is there a way of underlining stuff on sound? I agree that we should steward and husband our creation better. We really do. It's what we were put on earth to do, to be God's representatives of the creation he made. You know, we're supposed to live in Eden and make the rest of it like Eden. You know, we should take it much more seriously. But at the same time, I'm not going to live in fear that the world's going to end in disaster that God isn't in control of. That God, act, God is the one who acts, and he acts and includes his people in that. And that if, that, if people are, if that's how the world is going to end, it's, it's, not, the final, it's not the finality, it's not the end of the end. God is bringing his creation to, a, to the place he wanted it to be. And some things will get lost. Some things will go. But I don't want to live in fear of it. I don't want to live with the kind of fear and terror that we see um, being spread around in the media and social media and on the news about how awful things are. Yes, take responsibility. But do so knowing that God has called you to do so because it's part of who he made his people to be. Do so for the reason that God 
is my reason. I think that's important. He is sovereign and he will reveal what he is like through all of this. And I think sometimes when we're in a situation like, I mean, we're thinking supposedly now about climate, climate change and disaster. They were thinking about the, you know, the readers of this would have been listening to what the Roman Empire was doing and which emperor was going to come after them and, and try to destroy and crush the church next. And you have to accept sometimes we just find ourselves in situations we can't see the end of. We just don't know where it's going. We don't know how today will end. But it's even harder to do that when you know that there are things pressing against you. Much harder to, to see or even trust that you'll get through it when it seems so hard. And yet, there's this song from these people. And the curious thing is, and I can't, I can't answer this question, are they the church now or are they the church in the future? Are they the church present and singing to Christ way off or is it about them the church now because it says they sing in the Greek it says and sang but they're singing and it's and it's and it pushes us a bit because I want to be part of that people and last week we talked about taking on the pattern of Christ to be that the people who can understand how to live sacrificially in a world that's falling apart around us and now we see that actually there's a joy in it as well there's joy unbelievably there's joy in sacrificial living who thought that? Who imagined that actually there could be some joy out of giving of yourself beyond what you thought you could do? Because that's God's pattern. That's the way that God does things. And that's what he calls us to do. And, and, I, and these people seem to get it. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. King of the ages. Who won't fear you, O Lord, and bring glory to your name? Why can they do that? Because his glory, his righteous acts have been revealed. See that at the end of verse 4. They're people who know, have experienced, in the, in the um, King James, which is what I sometimes use to prepare, in the King James it says made manifest. They've taken shape in us. It's a group of people who have experienced and see the work of God in their lives. And the evidence is there that these, these people are from all over the place. All nations will come and worship before you. They've seen that the word of God has spread beyond the people of Israel to all nations so that all nations would come and worship God and know him. And that's the sign, that's the signifier, if you like, that God's work is being done. It is extending to people from all over the place. So this song, a group of people who have this song, and this group of people have had this song even though they've crossed through this difficult exodus-type experience. We read about the tribulation, the trials that the people will face, about the opposition they will face, about, about the beast, the false prophet, the marks, the number of the beast. All these things that they've had to endure. And yet they've seen God's truth and justice come into their lives. By crossing this sea, they've... They've moved from death to life, from life, from darkness to light. And they're shaped by it. That, that experience has deepened their understanding of what God is like. And it's very humbling to think of all the Christians who struggle 
who are persecuted, for whom being able to worship, and who long to escape the scenario they're in, trusting God more than perhaps you or I will, for whom tomorrow morning could be risky. I trained with somebody from Iran, and the stories he told about people coming to shoot up the place because he was a Christian, and literally shoot at him and his wife. It's very humbling, having to jump out of the window with people chasing him because he was a Christian. But that has shaped him, and that gave him a great joy that what God had given him was of value. And it was of such value that the people around him resented it because it, sh- it challenged them. It challenged their understanding of truth, challenged their understanding of, of, of who God really is. And I think that's probably where we ought to be, being able to challenge people about their understanding of truth. But in order to do that, we need to be prepared to sort of sing that song. Because out of our suffering, good can come. Out of the, duff, out of the difficult times, real sweetness can, can, can emerge. Not just, not just a better, stronger relationships with one another or with people who didn't really think that we cared, but within ourselves as well, that we see more and more of God's truth shaping us, that things that we wouldn't have done are actually shown to have been good, that God was in them. Sort of throw our minds back to the story of Jonah. He had no reason to go to Nineveh. They deserved it. And yet God did amazing things there and then had to work with Jonah because he didn't see the point. So they're holding on to this, this blessing that they've got. They're holding on to this truth. And they're able to sing about what God is doing. There's, a, there's an expression which is often too cheaply used, isn't it? It'll be okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it isn't the end. Which is a kind of wonderful logic to it. But these people seem to have got that. I'm heading somewhere where it'll be okay. I'm able to sing this song because I've experienced something of God which can lead me forward, which is taking me somewhere where it will be okay. And I don't want to be cheap and trite because lots of people have struggles where it won't feel okay for a long time. And okay feels a long way off. And it will be painful to get there. But it's also the truth of God that one day he will make all things okay. The Bible ends with this thing where he says, well, I'm going to wipe away every tear and there'll be no more crying or death, or mourning. That's okay. That's the one, that's where we're heading. That's where he's drawing us. And we're part of that. In the story of the transfiguration in Luke chapter 9, Moses and Elijah come and talk to Jesus, and do you know what they talk to him about? They talk to him about the exodus he's about to achieve at Jerusalem. Everybody who's trusted him since then Everyone who's put their faith in him since then is part of that second exodus. It's part of that second journey where God rescues people from darkness and oppression and sin and brings them into the glorious light of life that he promises in Jesus Christ. And we're part of that. And I wonder if that song 
a song where you can say, you know what, I know a little bit about Christ. I know a little bit about what God has done for me. And even though it's tough, right now I can sing that song. And I wonder if that's part of where you're at. Which of these verses, which of these words would would resonate with you? Are you someone who's saying how wonderful your, your, and true your ways have been in my life? Am I still struggling with, with the fear of the Lord? Is holiness something that you yearn for and yet haven't found that you can do? Or are you looking for God to make some big change in you? Moses, um, Moses sang this song once they crossed the Red Sea. And then very soon, they forgot about it. Most of the Exodus story is about them sort of wandering off and wishing they were back in Egypt. But Moses sang this song to celebrate what God had done. And being able to sing a song means that we need to remember what God has done. Because if we can sing a song about what God has done, it doesn't matter if it's terrible, if it's like the blues, or, or you know, it's, it, it, it just remember that God has done this. And it is perfect, and it will be perfect and wonderful in my eyes eventually. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for these words and this song. We thank you that you are faithful more than we could imagine. We thank you that you help us overcome the enemy. When we focus on you and forget his lies and his image and the things that he would tell us, Father, we look to you. We thank you that you've brought us out of death and into life. And we pray that we would have a song to sing, a song in our hearts that reminds us of your care and love and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. Amen.